Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Thursday, March 10th. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics. I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief. Again, back from vacation, Cannon, rested and ready. <laughs> Tan, rested and ready like <laughs> Nixon. <laughs> let's let's talk about how the uh, war is going. Um, the latest seems to be that Russia bombed a, a maternity ward at a hospital uh, and this obviously is has created more. Looks like civilians are paying more and more of a price as the Russian uh, invasion sort of grinds down. Is not proceeding very quickly. Uh, I read a story today about troops are digging in both sides around around Kiev, and that this could go on for some time. Meanwhile, you have uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was dispatched to the region. She met with the Polish president uh, just this morning, and. So, Carl, where does this thing stand? Where are we headed? Uh, how is this likely to end? And how long is it going to take? Tom, those are questions no one knows and everyone wants to know. You know, this the way that the Russians are conducting the war in Ukraine, it's what they did in Chechnya. It's what they did in Georgia. It's uh, Putin's army's way of waging war. And they, they take away the civilians' desire to resist. At least that's the goal. That doesn't seem to be working in Ukraine. And when you bomb maternity wards and kill children and mothers, um, and when you refuse to allow safe zones for people to escape, and when 2 million people leave the country out of 40 million, mostly women and children, it doesn't, it looks like the Ukrainians are in for a long fight. Um, I don't know what, I don't think this is what Putin expected. Um, but, you know, you say Kamala Harris is in Poland. So Poland seems to want to give airplanes to Ukraine, or maybe, you know, go a little further than the Biden administration wants to go. The Biden administration is telling NATO, let's let's stay out of this for now. But Poland and these Baltic countries, and I imagine Romania too, are wondering, well, what makes them think Putin's going to stop in Ukraine? It looks like from the reports that I saw this morning, Carl, that, that <clears throat> continued talks between the Russians and Ukrainians are, are going nowhere. We've seen stories that the Israeli Prime Minister is serving as an intermediary. We've seen pictures that Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, has been trying to, to broker some sort of deal. You know, Anthony Blinken, uh, Tony Blinken, our Secretary of State, was in Poland just a few days ago. Kamala Harris is, is there now. Why aren't we the United States? Why isn't Joe Biden? Why isn't Kamala Harris? Why isn't our Secretary of State? Why, why don't we have people who are, you know, basically sitting down with Putin and Zelensky and saying, or their you know emissaries, and saying, look, let, how do we bring this to a close? Let's let's figure out a way to make this stop because it's it's obviously not good for Russia. It's not good for the Ukrainian people. It's not good for global stability. I mean, if you look at what's going on around the world, why aren't we doing that? Yeah, I, you know, I've been wondering that, Tom. But part of the issue here is that Putin sees us as an adversary. He's portrayed in this war. He's portrayed Ukraine as a proxy of the United States. So, you know. In a sense, he's his his idea is that this is we were trying to you know carve up the Russian pan Russian people and bring Ukraine into NATO, and that we're that we're provocateurs, and that I don't think any of that's true, and I'm not even sure he believes it. I think Putin used this as a pretext, but it does seem that the United States is involved, whether we want to be or not, and I imagine we will get involved diplomatically if and when um, it. I think the administration has to see signals that the Russians are really negotiating instead of just pretending to negotiate while they try to grind Ukraine into submission militarily. 
But it's certainly, and the Kremlin released a statement saying that the U.S. is engaged in economic warfare, and and the House just passed the the uh, ban on Russian oil and gas last night by an overwhelming bipartisan majority. Um, I mean, certainly with the sanctions uh, that the U.S. has been instrumental in leading and applying. I mean, uh, from from Russia's perspective, I guess it would be like figuring that that you know we're waging economic war on them, um, but. It also, Carl, is going to have to is going to have costs at home, and we saw the result of that a little bit in the report this morning. Seven point nine percent inflation from the CPI. It is the highest number since nineteen eighty two. We had uh, wages, <clears throat> inflation adjusted wages, down two point six percent over the last year, almost one percent just in the last month. So, Carl. Um, you know, you can say that the, the the war has has accelerated this inflation that was already in process, but uh, and the Biden administration has tried to make clear that they're going to you know prices are going to have to be paid and costs uh, are going to have to be borne by the American people. Um, but it's looking like uh, you know things are as bad as they've been here on the economic front in a long, long time. Well, look, no president, no United. U.S. president, Republican or Democrat, wants to be compared to Jimmy Carter. And some of that, in my opinion, is unfair because Carter did some good things, including including elevate human rights as a dimension of American foreign policy. But, you know, the the you know, uncertain response of that administration to the economic numbers you're talking about, mainly inflation, but also very high interest rates, you know, lower productivity, all high unemployment, all the things that are bad were up, all the things that were good economically are down. And Jimmy Carter served one term. And, you know, one term presidents are considered failures in our system. And again, I don't think that's necessarily fair. George H.W. Bush had some successes as president, too. But he didn't have a foreign policy debacle like Afghanistan. And if you you combine Afghanistan and its inflation, it's very tough Uh you know, you and I have talked about this, Tom. It, we, we look to the president for everything, you know, for comments on pop stars to curing inflation. And it's it's too much. But the, the commander in chief is responsible for the United States armed forces. There is a sense that the Biden foreign policy is adrift um, and, and that they have no clue what to do about inflation. So in a midterm election, Republicans are looking at this and seeing an opportunity. Democrats, especially in swing districts, are worried. Well, I think they should be. <clears throat> especially given, you know, there was one analysis that I saw earlier in the week, Carl, that said, you know, basically Americans can expect to pay about $3,000 more this year for various goods and services from, you know, gasoline to, to food to whatever because of inflation. Um, that is a, that's a tax hike on the American people. And it's the most regressive tax hike imaginable in terms of hitting those who have the least, the hardest. Um, and that I'm is- gonna, I'm going to check you on one thing there, Tom. What you, you know, I have a personal crusade against the phrase tax hike. I mean, what are you <laughs> going to go for a walk with it? Tax increase. Tax <laughs> increase. In all, in all seriousness, you are right, and it show you know some of the economic illiteracy uh, that you hear from on Capitol Hill in both parties, but particularly from the the Green New Green New Deal crowd and 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 the people who want to raise wages. If you raise wages in some of these uh, entry-level service economy jobs to $15 an hour, you can erode that. You have 7.9% inflation. You erode that immediately. And so, you know, again, this is the challenge for the administration 
is how to get this inflation under control. Because you're right, it is it's a it's a cut in your in your disposable income. It is it is essentially uh, either you know, call it a tax or call it a cut in your actual wages, but it's a cut in your spending power. And it now is across all sectors. It's not, you know, initially they were talking about supply chain issues, you know, but it's things that don't come from China. It's, you know, plywood is 40% higher. Labor is higher in these companies, but you go to the companies and the people aren't really making any more money, but they have trouble getting to the job because the gasoline in their trucks is so high. It's just these ripple effects. And gasoline is the most obvious thing Americans are noticing but also groceries, um, paper goods, everything is up. And it's a it's a problem. It, it is not really, this is not a problem we can blame on Vladimir Putin. All right, we will leave it there. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder president of Real Clear Politics. I'm Carl Cannon, sou- more sour than usual, but that's because baseball doesn't seem to be anywhere on the horizon. This is the Real Clear Politics takeaway for Thursday, March 10th, 2022.